Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church this fine morning. Uh, we are so glad that uh, you have made it out to worship here with us and have endured the cold of the icy tundra of the south, but there is no snow. So I know for some of you that's a positive, for me that's sad, uh, but <clears throat> it is good to be here with you to worship this morning, and we do trust that God will speak to us through our time together today. Uh, as we turn our attention to the Word of God, let's go to the Lord again in prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace to us. I thank you for the truth of Jesus and what he has done for us. Lord, for the truth that we don't have to fear death. And that through your grace and your goodness, life continues elsewhere after our existence here comes to a conclusion. Lord, I pray that as we look at the truth of your word today, and as we look at the life of Enoch, Lord, that we would be encouraged by the things that defined his life. And Lord, that we would have the wisdom, the grace, and the courage to not define our lives by the things that the world uses to define success and greatness, Lord, but that we would define our lives based on the things that your word tells us are most important. So Lord, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was in high school, I remember going to a party at a, a, friend, a friend's house, and she lived out in the middle of nowhere, uh, Cornfield, Indiana, and as we were there at the party, uh, a friend of mine and I, Ryan Hansen, he's actually been here as a missionary now in Honduras, uh, we, were, we were talking and it was just loud, a lot of music, a lot of things going on, a lot of distractions going on, and so Ryan and I decided that we were going to go for a little walk. Now, mind you, both of us were about 18 years old, so we were grown adults, adults, and, and didn't feel the need to tell anybody what we were going to do because we were just going to walk up. She had a real long driveway, and we thought we'd walk to the end of the driveway, turn, and come back. Or, or, and, but, but, so we didn't tell anybody. And we were so certain that the walk was going to be that short that I had just gotten off of the trampoline, so I was in socks. I didn't even bother putting on shoes. So I just walked with him, and we walked to the end of the drive, this long driveway, and we get to the end, and, and we were enjoying the conversation, and Ryan says, hey, what if we just, like, turned and walked up the street a ways, and we'll just go to the stop sign, and then we'll turn and come back? Well, we turned left, and, and Holly's Road was, was about in the middle of the road, and northern Indiana is, is laid out in a grid. Like, it, everything is mile blocks, Right? So four miles all the way around. So it would have been a half a mile to the stop sign and a half mile back. Now, common sense would have told me at that point, well, let's go put on shoes and then go do this and maybe tell someone. But, you know. So we just turned and walked. <clears throat> Kept walking down the road and we got to the stop sign. And we're really into the conversation then. And I was like, hey, man, let's just keep going down to the, the next stop sign. And then we can come back. And it won't be too far. Well, you can guess how this continues on. So we go walking, and we continue walking, and we end up doing the whole four-mile loop. Now, four miles at a walking pace is a long time. So by the time we get back there, we hadn't thought about it. Just about everybody else was gone. You know who wasn't gone? The Elkhart County Sheriff's Department. <laughs> because, again, here we are. We're teenagers, early, in, you know, 18, late in our teenage years, but still enough kids that the people in charge of the party were concerned that two teenage boys had disappeared from the party without, without trace, and, and enough that, that the girls that were remaining, because it went to a Christian school, were all in prayer circles praying because we had surely been taken by someone somewhere, and they're giving descriptions of our build and makeup and what we look like to the police as we come walking back up the road. 
Now, for Ryan and I, it, it wasn't that long. It just felt like a few minutes. For everyone else, it was an eternity, eternity. And here were these two guys that at the time everyone knew was going into ministry, and we're just gone. So Ryan and I used to joke that that was our Enoch walk, that, that we were there, but because we were so holy, we walked with the Lord, and he took us. <laughs> and then our friends always reminded us, well, God was had enough because he sent you back. Have you ever been on one of those walks where you're, you're on the walk and you just kind of lose yourself? Or maybe it's not even a walk. You're just with company doing whatever it is you're doing and you lose yourself in that company. Just being in that presence and in that moment is an encouraging, life-giving thing. That, that's where it was for us. We just went for a walk. You know, if we, as we look throughout the scripture over and over and over again, that, that is what it, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, as, as worshipers of the one true God, are described as. You know, how's your walk with the Lord, right? We talk about it as this walk. It's this, this journey that we go on with God. And I, I find the story of Enoch amazing. And so I'm going to look at, we're going to look at both passages that we're going to kind of walk in and through this morning. So let's start in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6 say this. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Right, so we get this story about Enoch. That, mind you, we, we've just looked through, we just looked through Abel, and Abel gets averse, and we look through the creation, and that gets averse, and here we come to Enoch, and Enoch gets two verses. And so you, you see this two verses in this, this walk of faith where these people that are, are people that are, are, are being elevated as, hey, look at this person. This person is an example for you to follow and for you to be like. So you read these two verses, now this increase, and you think, this guy must have really done something, Right? The passage, all the passage really tells us is, is two things, right? That, that he walked with God and that God took him so that he didn't experience death. So you think, well, surely the story of Enoch will qualify and clarify what was so great about this man that he, he merits a spot in this list of faithful ancestors that we are to emulate, right? So let's go look at the passage. Turn back with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And we're actually going to start back in verse 1. So follow with me here for a second, because this is all going to be part of this as we go now that I think of it. So Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. 
after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. After becoming the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. Now, mind you, we've just come to Enoch, right? Finally, we've come to this guy that's so important. Brief side note, you got to wonder, did they make fun of Enosh for having kids, or Kenan for having kids too early? Like, Kenan had kids at 70. They were like, hey, cradle robber there, man, having kids at 70 years old. Anywho, I digress. So now we come to Enoch, right? So now it's going to tell us, because this is the passage on Enoch. There are literally just two passages in the whole of the Bible that talk about Enoch. The one we read earlier in Hebrews 11 and this one. Now we've seen the breakdown. This is a pretty clear pattern. This is not, this is not a, a big passage, right? This is a, a genealogy, right? This is just a list of people that were born and died. So let's go on. But surely Enoch is going to be a parenthetical. There's going to be an additional statement or additional story that's going to be interjected into the story here that's going to qualify why Enoch is such an important figure in biblical history. Right? You ready for it? Here we go. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Another one having kids real early. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him. Then it goes on to his son. Time out. What was special about that? Like, really, what was so great about that? Why, why is it that Enoch, this guy with just, he's got a couple more sentences here in a genealogy. Nathan and I were talking about this, Pastor Nathan and I were talking about this passage earlier, and, and I was excited about this thing that we're going to look at here, and Pastor Nathan looks at me, kind of cocked his head to the side and goes, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on Enoch. And I was like, me neither. Because who preaches on genealogies except for me? I'm just glutton for punishment. We don't. We avoid it, right? We move on and we might give an honorable mention because it's in Hebrews, but we don't talk about it because genealogies are boarding. This person had kids and he died. Person had kids and he died. Like, give me a break. What can be there? But we see here in the life of Enoch, and we see it both in Genesis and in, in, in Hebrews, the thing that differentiates Enoch from the rest of his ancestors in the list and the thing that differentiates Enoch from the other ancients in the list is a simple statement that he walked faithfully with God. That's it. Now, actually, if you look at, if you look at Genesis and you look at Hebrews, they use different phrases. In, in, in Genesis, it says that he walked 
faithfully with God. If we look in Hebrews, it says that he pleased God. Now, we might look at those and say, well, those aren't the same thing, but they are. To, to please the Lord is to walk with the Lord. To please the Lord is to walk with the Lord. And to walk with the Lord is to please the Lord. They are the same things. As a matter of fact, if we were just to compare Genesis 5, and we were to take the Greek version, the Septuagint, it's the Greek version of, of the Old Testament, and we were to juxtapose that against the Hebrew New Testament, in, in the LXX, in the Septuagint, the Greek version, it says, Enoch faithfully pleased the Lord. You look in the Hebrew version, or the Aramaic version, and they both say that he walked with the Lord. And the truth is, in, in Jewish language and literature, the two things were interchangeable. It was the, it was the same thing. They, they were synonymous phrases. Now, we, I want to talk about this, though, and what that means and how that looks for our lives. But to please the Lord is to walk with the Lord. Two things define the life of Enoch according to the passage here in Genesis, right? Two things define the life of Enoch according to Genesis 5. When the author considered the totality of the life of Enoch, and, and he was laying out this genealogy, which is an important historical record, he, the, the author looked at Genesis and looked at Enoch and said, hey, I've got to add this thing. And there are two things that define the life of Enoch according to the passage. One, he had a family, right? He had sons and daughters. A wife is kind of assumed in the context of that. But the thing that differentiates him is the second. He walked faithfully with the Lord. Now, tells us that he lived 365 years. 365 years. Surely, in 365 years of living, the man did more than those two things. Surely, if, if you were laying out a, 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 mem a memorial to Enoch and the truth of his life, like you could, you could lay out more things and qualify exactly what he did and how he lived and what really made him a faithful follower of God, but the author of Genesis doesn't see that as necessary. Now, actually, we, we, we do know or, or we have some idea of who Enoch was from extra-biblical accounts. According to extra-biblical accounts, Enoch was exceptionally successful. He was an incredibly creative force that, that developed and innovated and influenced how we even live life today. According to legend, Enoch was the first tailor in the history of the world, apart from the Lord himself. That Enoch was, it is said that Enoch was the one who taught others how to cut the skins of animals to proper sizes and shapes to make items of clothing. It's believed that Enoch was the first tailor. That's a pretty big thing, right? That's a pretty, pretty big accomplish for someone to have in their life. According to extra biblical literature and legend, Enoch is also the original inventor of shoes, right? Mr. Floyd? It's our spirit animal right there. It's our patron saint, Enoch, the inventor of shoes. Enoch was the first one, according to, to legend, that, that was walking around, kicking on the, the, the dirt and the rocks of the ground and thought, you know what? We could do something about this. Let's make some shoes. Thank God for Enoch. According to legend in extra biblical literature, Enoch was also one of the first to use written rec written writing utensils to record information and to instruct others another pretty big thing 
Now, whether or not any of these legends are true is absolutely inconsequential. Because the legend of Enoch's life is established not in, in the legendary status of Enoch's life is not found in all of his accomplishments and all of his innovations and inventions. I love what's going on here in this passage, that this author, in, in all of the things that he could have interjected about the life of Enoch to show us how important he was to us, to, to show that he was worthy of remembering and honoring and following, that, that we see here in the Bible. And, and what we see is this, that success in our lives is not defined purely in terms of what we accomplish, but how we live or how we walk, if you will. Success is not defined purely in terms of what we accomplish, but how we live or how we walk. From the first day I started considering this passage, this, this is what's jumped out at me. This is the thought that continues to roll through my mind. I've been dying to put it up online because it, I find it encouraging and it's one of those things that draws me forward. And one of those things that I need to hear early and often. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it in a form of a question for you and I to consider this morning. If all that is remembered of us when our lives are over is that we had a family and that we walked with the Lord, would that be enough? If all, and, and, and even in the list, everybody's got a family, so I don't want to demean that, right? But if all that is remembered of the contents and the construction and the, the use of your life is that person walked with the Lord, would that be enough for you? Can I be honest with you and confess my own sin? Sometimes for me, I'd have to say no. It should be. It should be. I've told you before, like, I want to be faithful, but I, won't, I don't want to lie to you. I also want to be successful. I, I want to reach people for Jesus and see people uh, accept the gospel, but it would be a lie for me to tell you that I don't want to see these seats full. I'll tell you that I want to see my family and myself aligning our lives and making our lives, building our lives in conjunction and consideration of the truth of Scripture. I want to see that. That is important. But I also, I want this too. I want, I want the word and. And I think we, that's not bad for us to want to see success in other areas, but what is really most important, and if that, that is what it comes down to, that you faithfully served God, you faithfully followed God, you faithfully did what he asked of you, and, and that's all that was remembered of you, would that be enough? It should be. It should be. See, our world is obsessed with accomplishment, isn't it? We, we are not just obsessed with accomplishment, but we are obsessed with achieving the exceptional when we ask someone, hey, what do you want to, even when we ask, we, 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 even, we even direct children and cultivate them to have this mindset. Hey, what do you want to do with your life? And almost invariably, with most kids, you're going to hear someone say some version of, well, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. Which is honorable, but it's also incredibly nebulous, isn't it? What does that mean? What, what does it mean to really make a difference? And how much of a difference do we have to make for it to be enough of a difference for us? How much do we have to change the world in order for it to be big enough or grand enough for us to feel like we did enough with our lives? Some thoughts that came into my mind. 
Like, do we have to sell all of our belongings and move to India and build organizations to care for the poorest of the poor in India like Mother Teresa to live a life that matters? Does, does one have to travel the word, world preaching to stadiums full of people, leading thousands upon thousands to Christ like Billy, Billy Graham to be considered successful? Does someone, have to, does someone have to build a business, an empire of outreach that, that does all, all these philanthropically good things to the world, reaching out? to? Do we have to feed the entirety of Seymour for us to really be making a difference? Do we have to house every homeless person? Now, I'm not saying those are bad things or bad goals to pursue. Those are good things. But are those the things that are going to define whether or not we are successful or we fail? How much is enough? The most amazing thing to me, though, about Enoch and his testimony is that anyone can do what Enoch did. There is nothing spectacular in what we see in Genesis chapter 5. If we think about it from a a purely success-driven mindset, there is nothing memorable about Enoch, right? Now, I realize that sounds blasphemous, that we're standing in a church, and and what what they say about him is important. I'm I'm not demeaning that. But we, we would say there's got to be something more. Tell me we didn't read that and we know that he's in Hebrews and there's part of you that think, thinks, that's it? But is that not an encouraging thing for you? That Enoch had a family and he followed the Lord. The end. He faithfully walked with God and that was enough. It may not be enough for me, but it was enough for the Lord. Enoch pleased the Lord by making sure the physical steps he took, whatever they were going to be, were consistent with what he believed to be true about his God. He is remembered for, and honored for walking with the Lord through the everyday and the ordinary. And for that, he is hailed as an amazing example of faith and faithfulness. He's, there's no Noah story here, right? You, you follow just a few chapters later, and you're gonna, we're going to look at Noah building a boat in the middle of an area where there has never been rain and, and having to act, have this big act of, of faith and craziness. And we look at that, and we're like, that is faith. He saved humanity through what he did. That, that is faithfulness, him standing against the wickedness of the world through this big, grandiose act. And I agree. We look at that, and we're like, yes, let's paint a picture of that on the wall of our church. Or we go further and we see Moses and Moses going and standing before Pharaoh, the, the leader of the greatest superpower on the earth, and calling him out for the injustices against the people of God, calling for him to release the people of God, and, and, and battling Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's greatest religious leaders and, and powerful magicians, and ultimately bringing down the plagues, right? And, and freeing the people, and then leading them across the Red Sea on dry land. And we're like, that is awesome. That is faith. That is faithfulness. To stand before a a sea, a veritable ocean with nothing but a stick and faith in your God and to hold it out over the sea like, like what a moron are you going to look like? You hold that stick up and nothing happens. Like, is this thing broken? We see that, like hold it up and, and with total faith and you hold it up and the sea, the sea splits and we're like, yes, that is faith and faithfulness. Let's paint another picture on the wall of our church. 
Even Jezebel, right? We're going to see her, we're, not Jezebel, uh, Rahab, the, 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 the prostitute, right? Hiding the spies and, and the walls of Jericho falling down and her getting the assist and her family surviving because of her faith and faithfulness. We're like, yes, let's paint a picture of her on our church. But Enoch, we just kind of gloss over that one. Because what did he do? Well, he just walked faithfully with God. <laughs> he just, 365 years, he had some kids and he walked with God faithfully. That's it. But again, none of us, I almost can guarantee this, none of us are going to stand before a st- the sea with a stick. None of us, and I know for a fact that none of us are going to be called to make an ark because God's not flooding the world again. Rainbows. But you know what? Each of us are going to deal with the darkness in our everyday and ordinary life. Each of us are going to be, be, be forced to make choices about divergent paths and decide in everyday, ordinary interactions, today in this interaction, am I going to follow the Lord or am I going to do my own thing? Am I going to pursue what God wants for me and has for me or am I going to do what I think is going to make me look best and going to make me feel best in this moment? Enoch is an amazing example of faith because he followed God in the everyday and ordinary. By faith, we understand that there's more to life than this world tries to sell us. It's easy, again, using the metrics of this world to see Enoch's 365 years as a waste. But we know that one can have all the success the world has to offer and lose their very souls. In fact, oftentimes pursuing those grand acts of success and notoriety require for us to sell our souls to gain them. When we put our faith in our accomplishments and abilities, we may do a lot but have nothing to show for it in the end. On the other hand, when we put our faith in our God and find our worth in walking faithfully with him where he leads, following his lead, and living in his light, we may seem inconsequential to the world around us, but have built up capital for the world to come. Jesus says as much, doesn't he, in the Gospel of Mark? If we look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, it tells us this, starting in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. So Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever loses their lives for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in his, this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So there's a progression that goes on here, right? They, they make a confession that, hey, true value and worth is in who you are, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, right? Peter immediately turns around and, and, and says, hey, that's not enough. You being who you are, you need to meet these expectations, Jesus. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 you are not thinking with the mind of God right now. You are thinking with human concerns, worried about building a human kingdom, and I'm about more than that. So get behind me. Get back in line. Then Jesus lays out the whole thing about saving and losing one's soul. Faith in our God is the ultimate goal and the source of a good life. If we sacrifice everything and find faith in God and learn to walk with him, it will be a life well lived. We may not have all the things that the world is looking for. People may look at us and, and, and may, may see nothing exceptional, but the truly exceptional life will be the life lived pursuing Jesus, pursuing the creator God who made us and living the life that he made for us. So how do we walk with the Lord? What does it mean to walk with the Lord? Well, the walk starts with conviction and confidence that he is. The walk starts with conviction and confidence that he is. We see that back in Hebrews. If we flip back to Hebrews, in verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here is just a basic truth. We will not walk with a God that we don't believe exists. This seems basic, right? You, we, the, the, the walking with God starts with believing that he is. But that is the starting point. That the journey of faith starts with putting your faith and trust in God. If you do not believe God exists, you will not walk with him. You will have no reason to do what he's asked you to do. The walk starts with conviction and confidence that he is. Lack of faith that God is serves as an absolute non-starter. We, we go back to Hebrews 11.1. We, we see that living in right relationship with the Lord starts with correct understanding and acceptance of who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. You know what's interesting to me is, is throughout the Bible, to call on the name of the Lord, particularly in the Old Testament, is to admit that he exists. When, when Moses asked God, hey, I'm going in to talk to these people, and when, when they ask me, who has sent me, what am I supposed to say? He says, essentially, God, what is your name? What is your name? And God's answer to him is, I exist. I am that I am. I exist. To call on the name of the Lord is to admit he exists, that, that he is. And with that comes the understanding that we are not and cannot be without his guidance and involvement in our lives. He exists. Faith starts with trust and understanding that God is who he said he is and will do what he said he'll do. First thing, walk starts with conviction and confidence that he is. Second, we need to learn to see where he's walking and follow his lead. Learn to see where he's walking and follow his lead. 
Now, neither Hebrews 11 or Genesis 5 provide clear descriptions of what exactly Enoch did to walk with the Lord and please him. But the rest of Scripture provides us with more than enough information to know what it might have looked like and what God expects from us. We can look at two just quick passages this morning. If we turn to Psalm chapter 119, Psalms chapter 119. Now, if you don't, I don't know if you know this, but if you go look at Psalm, the, the 119th Psalm, it is all a, a poem about the importance of God's word for our lives. And the author has taken all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and is laying out the, the centrality of God's word for living a faithful life in following God. Now, Enoch didn't have the word of God. Not important for us, though, because we do. We, ha- we have an added bonus. We have a road map. The writer of Psalm, Psalm 119 writes this in verses 9 through 16. He says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We could go on and on in reading Psalm 119 and see all of these different jewels about how important God's word is for living a life and walking the path that will please God. Now we can get hung up on the beginning and say, well, verse 9 says, how can a young person? I'm not young anymore. You know what? The word of God that works for the young kid works for the old person too. And the whole point of starting with the young is that once you've developed that path and begun walking on it as a young person, you're much more likely to continue walking on it as an adult. To develop this habit of following God and doing what God has asked of us, understanding the truth of God's word and allowing that to be what drives and dictates the steps that we take. Hearing the voice of God and moving towards it. We know in John 14, 6, Jesus says that, that I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We have the added bonus that not only do we have the word of God, we have the word of God incarnate in Jesus Christ. We have both the written truth of who God is and what he expects, and we have a living example we can look at in the story of how did God's only son do this, and we can mold ourselves into that image. For us, it's as simple as following Jesus and molding our lives to match his. We need to learn to see where God is walking or has walked and follow his lead. We need to faithfully walk the path he illuminates. We go back to 1 John chapter 1. Starting in verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have, any, have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. To claim to have a relationship with God, then, will be confirmed or denied in the way that we walk. 
Now, we struggle with that in the modern economy. We, we want to make it all about the, the blood of Jesus covering us, and I don't want to demean that. Our salvation and our righteousness comes through the blood of Jesus and faith in that by grace through faith alone. I am not debating that. But so often we want to cordon off different parts of the Bible for what we like and what we don't like. And we like that, right? Because God does it all. Right? God, God does all of the saving. He does all the heavy lifting. And that is true. The, the earning and purchase of our pardon comes through Jesus Christ. And in this passage, it covers that. It is our confession and repentance that turning to God that brings about our salvation. But you know what that passage, this passage we looked at in 1 John also carries with it? That there is an expectation that when we step into the light and we are cleansed by his blood, we will continue to walk in the light. The expectation of God's salvation, him cleansing us by the power of his blood, is that we will continue to walk in the life that he has given. That, that as Paul says in Ephesians, that we will walk worthy of the calling we are given. Obedience is seen through the lives we live in light of his holiness and the salvation provided through his son. Y'all remember the old Sunday school song? I'll be honest, I do miss some of our old little Sunday school songs that were like corny as a mess, but easy to remember. I remember the one when I was a kid on obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it faithfully or happily, depending on the version you use. Action is the key, do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Talk is cheap, brothers and sisters. It is easy for us to talk a big game and say, yep, I believe in Jesus. Yep, I believe that God created the universe. Yep, I believe in the truth of Scripture. Talk is cheap. It's easy to say we believe it. But when we go from talking about it to actually doing it, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the souls hit the dirt. It's when we do what God has asked of us. When we obey. When what we understand to be true about God impacts the way we live our everyday lives. One commentator pointed out that, that Enoch is the first example of repentance in the Bible. That we see in, we see in Abel the example of, of worship, but we see humanity's trend, if we watch the trajectory of, of humanity, even through the, the, the genealogy we're given, is it, it is making a fast track towards Noah and the destruction of the earth, right? That's where this is going, the very next story that's told. So we understand that Enoch is living in a world that is becoming increasingly more and more wicked, increasingly darker and darker. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? And that what differentiates Enoch in the world is not the words he says, but the life he lives. That he walks with the Lord while everybody else is going their own way, doing their own thing. Enoch is walking with the Lord. That regardless of what others may or may not say about him or may or may not do, Enoch is going to keep pursuing God in his life. We can't start walking on the path the Lord has prepared for us if we refuse to get off the path we have chosen for ourselves. We see Enoch choosing to walk the path that God is illuminating and leading him on. We see that God rewards him for this. And we know that God rewards those who seek him in faith with his presence. That is the reward that Enoch gets. 
Enoch spends his life seeking the Lord, and the reward that Enoch gets is that God finds him. Enoch spends his, his life pursuing God's expectations for his life, and we find that God walks with him. You know, one of the interesting things that we might overlook in the life of Enoch is we think 365 years is an exceptionally long time. Would we agree with that? 365 years is an exceptionally long time. But did you notice, did anything jump out to you about the lives of everyone else? Enoch's life is half to a third of what everyone else's is. His life was actually exceptionally short. Apparently the old saying is true, only the good die young. Now I get that he didn't die. But even at this early stage, old boy is gone at 365 years. Let's look at this. People are living close to 1,000 years at the time. Adam lived 930 years, then he died. Seth lived 912 years, then he died. Enosh lived 905 years, then he died. Kenan lived 910 years, then he died. Mahalalel lived 895 years, then he died. Jared lived 962 years, then he died. Methuselah lived 969 years, which is following um, Enoch, then he died. And Lamech lives 777 years, then he died. And we see Enoch in verses 23 to 24 of Genesis 5, and it tells us that Enoch lived 365 years. But you know where the difference comes here? He doesn't die. He simply was no more. You know, the fact is, if we want to be technical about it, the count is still going. The two longest living humans in the entirety of history are Enoch, and then coming in a close second at this point is Elijah. The two people in history that lived faithfully and pursued God and didn't die because God took them. The count goes on. But again, I'm back to the thought from earlier. Short or long, Enoch spent his time on this earth walking with the Lord. And that was enough. That was enough. It's so much enough that the writer of Genesis doubles down on it. That he faithfully walked with it. Look at it again. In his interjection here in, in this genealogy, it says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the, the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Then verse 24, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him. This, this writer of Genesis didn't just think it was important enough to mention once, but he doubles down on it. That this is what defines Enoch's life, and this is what success looks like in the truth of God's economy, in the truth of his word. That living a life worth remembering is living a life walking with the Lord. And I think that the supernatural conclusion to Enoch's life only makes sense. The supernatural conclusion to Enoch's life is only natural when we take into account the faith that defined his life. He walked with God, and he just kept walking. That he's still with the Lord, walking with the Lord. Much like my friend Ryan and I, he got to the stop sign and was like, you know what? This is pretty awesome. Shall we keep walking? Yes, we shall. And they turned the corner, and they kept walking, and they just never stopped. He just changed locations. 
Now for you and I, the unfortunate reality is that you and I might and probably will experience physical death. But we have the same hope. That if we are walking with Jesus, if we are walking with God, if we put our trust and faith in the God of this universe, the God that created us and sustains us, we can have hope that that though we may pass from this plane of existence, our walk will continue. That as we walk in his power now, we are preparing ourselves for the life to come. We may experience death, but through Jesus Christ, our end is the same as Enoch's. We ultimately get to live in the presence of God forever. You know what? True and lasting life is not found in legalistic adherence to law or faith in our own actions, in other words, but in faithfulness to God, which does result in right living as we pursue his presence in our lives. Our attempts to live in obedience to God's command are not an attempt to earn our salvation, but the outworking of faith and demonstration of the truth of that salvation within us as we choose to draw close to God. It demonstrates the understanding that true life, both now and in the future, is only possible through proximity to our Creator. So I'm back to my thought about the passage in Genesis and and how it ties into Hebrews. Enoch Enoch lived 365 years. And Enoch walked faithfully with God, and that was enough. What are we seeking with our lives? What is it that truly matters to us? What do we want people to remember us by when they can't find us because, like Enoch, we are no more? I continue to come back to this and be amazed that Enoch walked faithfully with God had some sons and daughters, and that was enough. If all that is said of me after I'm gone is that Jeremy walked faithfully with the Lord, the Lord took him and he was no more, that would be enough for me. At least I want it to be. I want to walk with my creator, to live life to the fullest through following close in his footsteps. Not that that's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but understanding that that is the best this world has to offer. I want the transition from this life to the next to, be just, to just be the natural next step of living into the presence of and walking with the Lord that loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And I think that walk into eternity stops, starts with the walk that we have now. It starts with putting our faith And Father God, the creator of heaven and earth, and understanding who he is and the expectations he has for our lives. It starts with, and then it moves into understanding the truth of his word and obeying it. Not being content to just have a correct understanding of God, but allowing that understanding to, to move into a proper outworking. And consistently living with an eye towards the future with a trust in of what God is going to do and how he's going to continue to work and move in our lives. Enoch lived 365 years and walked faithfully with God. It's a life worth remembering. It's a life worth emulating. May we walk faithfully with the God who has created us and called us, trusting him with both now and our eternity. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace to us. I thank you for the great love with which you've loved us. 
God, I pray that you would continue to call us into your presence by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that just as you are the source of our creation, that you would be the sustainer of the faithful life that you have for us. God, may we pursue you by the truth of your word, by the illumination of the pow- and the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. May we content ourselves in knowing who you are and attempting to live like you lived. May we draw close to you in the everyday and ordinary, understanding that you have done the supernatural and will do the exceptional in and through us, even if that's just keeping us close to you and helping us to walk faithfully as we follow. God, speak to us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen.